0: podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network.
1: Welcome to Much Sighted United on the Manchester United weekly podcast with me, Harry Robinson. Today I'm joined by Barney Chilton, editor of Red News, United's longest running fanzine and Guardian journalist and author and United fan, Daniel Harris. Enjoy the show. When it's all done and dusted,
0: I think that final whistle against Barcelona will be right up there for me.
2: Wes Brown's performance is up there, definitely in my top five
1: of performances I've seen by any United player. It's April 29th and on this day in 2008, Old Trafford rocked. 75,000 inside the stadium injected with the rare but wonderful drug of a Champions League semi-final night for the ages. Paul Skulls' hammered half volley lifted the famous old ground off its foundations and Manchester United secured their place in the 2008 Champions League final, an all-English final to be played in Moscow, Russia. Very quickly, let's remind you how United got to this semi-final. The previous year, Sir Alex Ferguson's team had been beaten at the San Siro by AC Milan in the semi. Then they'd lost in the cup final to Chelsea too, but were Premier League champions. Once again in 2008, they competed for all three trophies, this time beating Lyon in the round of 16 and then facing Roma for the fifth and sixth time in a year and coming away 3-0 aggregate victors. That set up the semi-final with Frank Reichard's Barcelona, who had won the 2006 European Cup against Arsenal. United went to the new Camp first and played for a draw, but it could have been oh so very different. Cristiano Ronaldo missed a penalty in just the second minute, and from there, Barcelona dominated, but United held firm.
0: I didn't think the 0-0 was enough out there. Ronnie missing the penalty. The tension, I don't think I've seen a tension like it. That's Barney. Fergie, to me anyway, it looked like he made the same mistake
2: against Barcelona as he made, as he made against Madrid in 2000, where... You sent united out to play a team to play defensively against the team, that, in an attacking game they were better than um in fairness i have, i don't remember that much about the the away leg because i because uh, I miscalculated how much i could how much refreshment I could enjoy in the afternoon yeah i, I yeah i was over i was the over refreshed side of over refreshed United went and played that first leg more or less for a nil nil and they had no need to do that. Barcelona were a mess. Like it was just at the end of Rikars. Um, Barcelona were a mess. And if United had gone and attacked them, there was no there was no reason to think that United wouldn't have beaten Barcelona.
1: And that's Daniel. This
2: is unnecessarily playing for nil nil and you're gonna get done. But obviously that, in fact, isn't
1: what happened. Vidic had been unavailable for that game with a stomach problem. He recovered for a weekend league clash against Chelsea, who were, of course, United's rivals for the league title again. They were now, though, managed by Avram Grant and not Jose Mourinho. The first leg, Daniel says it was a wasted opportunity, but it was some kind of achievement, keeping that Barcelona team out. Messi, Eto, Iniesta, Henri, etc. And in the second leg, something similar would happen it was a fascinating prospect. United must believe it's United against Barcelona. The kickoff is just a few minutes away. But again, like the year before, United had injury problems. A double blow when Nemanja Vidic was out with a concussion that he sustained at Stamford Bridge and Wayne Rooney had a hip injury from the same game. United lost that game 2-1 to two Michael Ballack goals.
2: Questions, questions. Have Manchester United hit the wall in this marathon season? There's all the talk of a Barcelona crisis,
0: idle gossip... How much the United miss Rooney and Vidic?
1: It was a serious European night at Old Trafford. The 2007 campaign had reminded United fans of what this club and so Alex Ferguson could do. Before that, it had been half a decade of miserable European campaigns and no semi-finals. That is two
0: two and a half years after United were, for relative of that era, rock bottom after Keane's departure. Despite you know the. the, the is Fergie up for it? Humble pie, we ate again. You know, 2005, we were just the whole thing, the takeover. You know, that was a bleak. So for Fergie to have the energy, and then would do it again with the Van Persie, but to have the energy and the genius to rebuild a side. And he knew, you know, he must have been thinking already, the 2006, 2007, how do I shape this? How do I know, you know, Ronaldo's never going to track back. So how do I create a side that can cope with his fancies. So you're you're dogged, but you're also, you've got one of the best United Strike Forces we've ever had. So there were so many doubts, say 2004-05. For him to do that is up there with one of his greatest achievements.
1: A 7-1 win against Roma and a 3-2 win against AC Milan had changed that in 2007. Now we were used to the big time again and the atmosphere was something special that night. People mention it many years
0: on. From the noise of Skulls' goal to the final whistle as loud as I've heard Old Trafford. And if you could bottle up that sensation, Matt, it really was, you know, hats in the air like an old times. It's, it's just fantastic.
2: I did get a free ticket and I was there that night.
0: But
2: just on the atmosphere point, I would say Porto ninety seven was great and Arsenal in the fiftieth game was great those ones I mean off, off the top of my head those ones stand out as amazing Old Trafford Knights Inter in 99 but I mean
1: yeah it was it, it was it was a great night within a couple of minutes Lionel Messi 20 years old at the time and coming up against a 23 year old Cristiano Ronaldo jinked past a few players and was tripped by Paul Scholes right on the edge of the penalty area I didn't ask either Barney or Daniel about Lionel Messi but they spoke about him, nevertheless. Of course, they did. Remember,
2: Messi gets the ball more or less from the kickoff and runs around almost everyone, and
0: he scores. There's only two players I can remember at Old Trafford who have, like, the fear about them. That when you get when they got the ball, Old Trafford sort of breathed in in fear, and that was John Barnes when they, the Scousers were really on top of the game, and Messi that night. It was just absolute shitting ourselves.
1: To deal with Messi, United had a back four of Patrice Everett left-back, Ferdinand and Wes Brown in the centre and Owen Hargreaves at right-back. Carrick and Scholl sat in front of them with Nani and Park playing with Ronaldo and Tevez. He,
2: I mean, Fergie, Fergie picked a strange team that night. Uh, well, not a strange team, but a team that I think no one was expecting. I don't think anyone thought he was going to play
1: Nani. And he did. And it worked really well. It's worth remembering that Nani was only 21 at the time. In the 14th minute, Rio Ferdinand stepped out of defence, played a good one too. The ball ricocheted forward, Cristiano Ronaldo picked it up, and staring down his opponents in the way all hungry wingers do, he accelerated at Yaya Toure and got past him. Zambrotta intervened, and then steps
2: past Toure but not past Zambrotta. Giving straight to Porsche What about that?
0: What about that? United, an unstoppable shot from Paul
1: it was only Scholes' second goal of the season. Fergie said the one he got tonight makes up for all the ones he can no longer score. It was a strike of the highest quality. Scholes' first touch makes it bobble up very slightly, giving him the bit of air needed to hit a swerving strike like the one he did. His technique is perfect, but his right boot almost slices across it. Not too much, just allowing it to spin towards the top right corner as it did and beat Victor Valdes. The,
0: the, the European, I know it's a cliche when you see the old players, you know, European knights, but there is something special, especially the big
1: ones. In the build-up to Scholes' goal, the move is started by Rio Ferdinand, receiving the ball from van der Sar, touching it forward, playing a 1-2, and before you know it, he's on the halfway line and perhaps the third most forward attacking player for United. This was Rio at his very best, and in Europe, when this kind of play was really needed... He got to show himself off, even without the injured Vidic as his partner.
2: He's the best I've seen. In the league, he didn't really have to do very much because Vidic, because the way English football is definitely was then, although it wasn't like it was when I was growing up in the 80s and 90s. Vidic, there was still a lot of balls played in the air. And Vidic, because Vidic was the guy attacking the ball, and even if they're on the ground, Vidic was so good at attacking the ball that it often didn't get to Rio but in the years before he played with Vidic and Rio had to do a lot more of attacking the ball he could also do that he's a unit Rio and um he's good in the air rubbish in the air obviously from from uh, our corners Rio could do I felt like Rio could do quite a lot of Vidic's job as well in the same way that Stan could that Stan was Ferdinand and Vidic um he wasn't as good on the ball as Ferdinand but um the thing with Ferdinand was he just gave you so many options I actually thinking back I remember watching him warm up before the Everton game we were talking about and just watching him like laughing just how good he was (laughs) like when you used to watch him I mean when you got in early enough when you used to watch him do the boxes because he's one of those guys he's he's got a great touch and a great imagination because he grew up playing in that kind of football where everyone wanted to play in that kind of way and and he was and he had the ability to do that and he was also a great passer. Sam, Vidic, Ferdinand. If you push me, I would put Ferdinand at the top of those. So, uh, there, there are probably some games where I think about, if you gave me a choice, I might say, do you know what, the way that game going to be, I'll just go Vidic, even though Ferdinand could do it as well. But certainly in Europe, I would
1: always go Ferdinand. Joined in the attack,
2: allowed Messi to stay forward. Steps away from Scholes, runs it Brown. Little Messi, leading the side from Van der Sar.
1: United had gone ahead after 14 minutes, but of course the away goal rule meant that throughout one goal for Barcelona put them through and United out. It wasn't easy.
2: Iniesta just put it behind Deco. Eto'o, Deco! Shall be hit by Deco, and that wasn't far away either. And they are getting opportunities. They are getting
0: sights of Edwin van der Sar's goal.
2: How Wes Brown's performance is up there, definitely in my top five of performances I've seen by any United player in a, obviously weighing in the fact that it was in a big game but Wes Brown's performance that night was, is in my top five performances by, yeah, by any United player, any game any time Ronaldo's outnumbered he's got there ahead of Zambrota though got it into Park oh! whisker away from Park Ji-sung terrific set up play by Cristiano Ronaldo so unselfish there yeah there's the switching Ronaldo out Ronaldo. to the left Tevez Oh, and Valdez did just about enough. Puyol clears his lines. And so does Sam Lovely interchange. Valdez just got enough on the show. I mean, you know, United deserved that win, but I felt like to quote the man, we made it hard for ourselves. It didn't, it didn't need to be like that. United were more than one goal better than Barcelona. But on the other hand, shutting out Barcelona over 180 minutes is a not insignificant achievement. And a lot of Reds who myself included spent a lot of time taking the piss out of Carlos Quirrells like why do we have to play like this and blah 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 but I think we know that Fergie was a genius but he wasn't someone who could organise a defence to shut out Barcelona for all that time that was obviously brilliant defenders the best defence United's ever had but organising those defenders to to, to keep, keep two clean sheets in the semi against Barcelona is is not, is not yeah I mean you've got, you've got to say that is pretty good Corner at the end, and Henri was there, and it suddenly occurred to me that the idea of Henri prancing about in the corner after equalising—I remember I said <laughs> to the mate, "I was, with, I would do time
1: if, if this happens. I'm on the pitch." But Thierry Henri didn't score. Barcelona didn't score in 180 minutes of football. United held out without Nemanja Vidic and
2: history is made. The Champions League final will be
0: a very English occasion.
2: They will play for the European
1: Cup again. 50 years on from three. Munich, this was a special night. And Moscow would be too, it really would. But the one thing you don't get with finals is that home atmosphere. It doesn't matter where it is. You don't get that incredible noise on home soil. The feeling of familiarity and the knowledge that every time you come back, every fortnight you return to watch your team play in your home stadium in a pretty meaningless game, every time that happens, you'll be able to remember this one night.
0: When it's all done and dusted, I think that final whistle against Barcelona will be right up there for me. I was a kid taken by my mum, so I was at Barcelona 84, and that's that tops everything. Um, the, the one that Middlesbrough in the League Cup semi-final was absolutely crazy that night. That was just, that came, didn't come out of nowhere, but that says how we just wanted any sort of trophy. But that was right up there, and I'd say 2008. I
1: think Porto home, 97, that was good one. Chelsea beat Liverpool, and so for the second consecutive year, Manchester United and Liverpool came within 90 minutes of facing off in a European final, only for United to lose in 2007 and then the Scousers in 2008, probably for the best, to be honest. Instead, it was John Terry's Chelsea who Fergie came up against. You know the story. That's it for this episode of Much Cited United. Thanks for listening, and a great deal of thanks to Daniel Harris and Barney Chilton. I could listen to those two all day. As you'll know, Barney is the editor of Red News, the oldest Manchester United fanzine there is. It recently celebrated its 33rd anniversary, and just like United, we stand, is a crucial part of the fabric of Manchester United, and it needs your support. If you want to support it, Barney started a subscription campaign ahead of next season, whenever that will be. You can find the details of that on his Twitter at Barney Red News. You can find Daniel Harris's writing and other words on Twitter too at Daniel Harris. thanks for listening as always stay safe bye for now oh yeah if you have enjoyed this episode please let us know because this is a new format so we kind of need to know if people are enjoying it and if you are enjoying it leave a view on Apple Podcasts to say so or tweet in or do whatever you do but definitely share it if you can it really does help us cheers see you soon
2: Podcast Network.